0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Oakwood Connects. Today we're going to continue in the parable of the wheat and tares and maybe answer one of those questions that have plagued humanity literally since the beginning of time. As I had said, we uh, we started looking at the wheat and tares, the parable of the wheat and the tares, and and last week we went over part of this parable. You know, we learned last week that this parable has more than one lesson that we can learn from it. And uh, last week we looked at looked at that God has an expectation, a definition of of what is good. Uh and so we looked at that last time and so if you if you missed that please go back to it but this week we're going to look at something else. We're going to look at this parable and we're going to look at it in the in the vein of one of those questions that people always have. You know, when it comes to worship and when it comes to worshiping God and people when you talk to people inevitably you will get this question. And the question is this. If God is so powerful, if God is so loving, and if God is indeed in control, then why is there so much suffering in the world? I'm sure you've heard that question. Maybe you even asked that question to yourself. Why is there so much suffering in the world? In the world. And, you know, on the surface, this does... This is a legitimate question. It really is. You know, we 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 see what's going on and, and and again you hear that God is this loving God and that He is in control and and people, unbelievers scoff at that because of all the suffering that goes on. Why is there so much evil? Why is there so much suffering? The you know, the philosophical questions that we ask ourselves are uh, they are just that. They are questions that we need answers to. And here's the problem that I see anyway with uh, society is that we like to ask these questions. But then when the answer starts to come, we get a little get a little nervous. When we start to hear answers to these questions, all of a sudden, whatever it might be, We start to put up the walls. We start to not want to really know the answers. On the surface, you know, this is one of those claims of the unbeliever that, hey, if there's that much horribleness going on in the world, then I I really don't want to know about this God. But isn't that interesting? Because that is the answer to this question. In this question in the defense of this question the irony is this one of the claims of the unbeliever when it comes to the believer is they believe what they believe because they don't know any better have you ever had that uh, and have you ever come across people that feel that way that uh, You know the only reason you believe is because you're brainwashed and you believe because you don't know any better you haven't been enlightened enough to leave that archaic way of forced goodness and i know because again as an atheist i claimed this i would attack christians with this argument that if you only knew better you wouldn't you wouldn't worship that or that God. There's no need for it, really. But here's what's interesting. With this question, why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much evil if God is good? They are, at the same time, asking to be brainwashed. They are asking to live like robots. You see, if God is so good, then nothing bad should ever happen, and we should just follow this god they're 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 wanting the thing that they claim about christianity they want to be brainwashed they want to be they don't want to know any better isn't that interesting you know this argument is not a new argument it has been even before the beginning of time in revelation we see it in revelation 12 verse 7 it says and war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought now We know that the dragon is Satan a couple verses down. We just get that definition Michael he is who is like he who is like God That's Jesus there's this there's this war in heaven and I When I go to these verses when I go to this verse, I always want that word war, you know, I I'm an an old sci-fi guy I want that to be like you know, lasers and, and uh, lightsabers and stuff like that unfortunately though that word is palamos in the Greek which means debate so there's this idea that broke out in heaven and according to these according to this verse or these verses the war, this debate was between Christ and Satan and so Satan brings up this different idea of what heaven should be like. The scriptures tell us that iniquity was found in Satan. That iniquity, for whatever reason, Satan decided that he would look into what the opposite of God was. Don't know the answer to that. Don't know why he decided to do this. We have some clues and that is a deeper study But ultimately, he decided to check out the opposite of what God is. And what is God? Well, 1 John 4, verse eight tells us God is love. You know, just like the 10 Commandments, they show us who God is. We get a glimpse of who God is through his 10 Commandments, through his law. So just like that, we also get a glimpse of Satan's debate. We also get a glimpse of what was Satan's argument ultimately? Again, we don't know all of it, but we do get a glimpse. In Genesis chapter 2, we see that ultimately in the fall of man, in between in the fall of Adam and Eve, we see his argument. We see that he says, "God is trying to keep something from you. If you were just like me, you could decide for yourself what is good." and what is evil. And then later on in the book of Job we see the second part of Satan's argument. We see that in Job Satan claims that that Job has an advantage from God. If God was if if God took his protective hand off Job, he would see that Job would curse him to his face. So ultimately what he's saying is, once again, Job just doesn't know any better. If you weren't brainwashing him, if he didn't, if he didn't, if he had to face challenges, he would not worship you. He would worship me because I would set him free from this God I would set him free from your government and he would worship me instead. So, Satan's argument is indeed that same question that we all have had, that everybody has had. If there is so, if this God is so loving, then why is there so much evil? You see, Satan knew that if that question could fester, that We would ultimately say, you know, I'm going to choose what is good. I'm going to choose what is evil. Because if this loving God can allow all of this to happen, then I, I will make up the rules, so to speak. So the question still remains, though. Satan plants this seed in heaven. That there is a different government that we can live by God says he's the definition of good he's the definition of love he is all that is good and then Satan plants this seed of maybe he's not maybe he isn't so now we see the dilemma because God's on trial ultimately you know Satan is the accuser God's on trial How can he show that he is exactly who he says he is? Most people will say, well, why didn't he just get rid of Satan right away? Well, because had he done that, had he zapped him out, Satan's argument would be right. They worship you because they don't know any better, and they worship you because if they don't, you'll zap them out. So. God on trial what could he possibly do how does God combat this argument that has been brought against him the argument that christians worship out of fear is the argument that satan had and still has That is not worship. Worshipping out of fear is not true worship. That is not what God wants. God wants true love. He wants true thankfulness. He does want true worship. He wants us to be in his government because we want to be in his government. The desire to want to be part of heaven, it has to be a true desire Otherwise, this issue is going to happen again. The believer wants God's government. We love God's government. We choose it. God's law is not a burden. It's God's love for his creation. That is the desire of God. He wants us to love him back like he loves us. So why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is there so much evil? Because God is perfect love. He is. You know, I'll use the example, and I use it often. If you want somebody to love you, and you go up to your significant other, but you have a gun in your hand, and you're holding it to their head, And you ask them do you love me and they say yes is that real love or is that fear that's fear love feels good when people do it out of free will why would not why would god not want the same he is the very definition so of course that is what he wants as humans we're kind of foolish we think somehow we came up with this idea of love We would not have it if it wasn't created in the first place. So because God is perfect love, then that means there's an opposite. It exists. It just does. Because you have something, there is an opposite of it. And Satan, for whatever reason, again, he decides to check it out. And after going around and spreading this accusation around heaven... How could God prove his innocence the opportunity to love God back in Jesus Christ is really the only way this is really the only science that makes sense the science of salvation is really the only science that of this is the science of heaven how can we with our free will choose to love God And that alone is a deep study on its own. We can't really get into it right here. But my point of bringing all of this up is, we need to put the blame where it belongs. Satan explored the opposite of what God is. He explored the opposite of love. He explored the opposite of truth, which ultimately means evil and disorder. You know, God is a God of order. And this shouldn't be too surprising to anybody. Look where we're at today. The world is a very confusing place. And when we ask the question, why is there so much evil? And then we don't explore the options why. We stay in that state of disorder. You know, Satan is extremely crafty his best deception is that he doesn't exist that is the best deception one of them anyway that he has and if he does exist then he is this little red cartoon character that lives in a flame and is just there to poke you with a pitchfork and you know again that that is one of the greatest deceptions. He doesn't seem so evil that way, does he? You know, he is so much smarter than that. He is so much craftier than that. He makes his way look appealing. He makes his way look like it's love. Hey, you can choose for yourself what is good and what is evil, and, and today, that doesn't even sound horrible, does it? Yeah, you should be able to decide what is good and what is evil, and you're right. You should, because we have free will that has been given to us. That free will, though, is to find out who God is. Once again, we ask the questions. God says, come, let's reason together. Come find out who I am. Come find out the definition of love. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful, and yet we think we can decide what is tr- what is good and what is evil. The world tells us. The world Actually has the sermon constantly of just follow your heart. Satan works in the guise of Christianity. You know, again, we think that I, I, I use this example a lot. it would be a lot easier if evil came in and looked like an evil clown of some kind, right? We would stay away from that. but Satan is so much craftier than that. He works within the churches. You know, imagine a sect of quote-unquote believers that seem to have a problem with pedophilia. Imagine Christians, so-called, that in the name of God would protest funerals. Imagine if you can Again, in the guise of Christianity someone claiming they can blow away disease or sell you silver Imagine if you can going into a church a church of so-called God and Instead of the Word of God lamely rocking out instead. Satan works in the churches. He works in the guise of Christianity. And God wants us to be smarter than that. He knows that we are smarter than that. God says, come, let's reason together. He believes that we can see through all of that. That we will see through all of these disguises and come to his word come to his word and find out who he is you have free will if you have the question of why is there evil then study where it comes from and if you believe that it is your human right to be a part of a loving government Why do you feel that way? It has been planted in you. It has been designed that way. Come, reason with God. Look to his word. Do not ask other people. Come to God's word. See what he has to say. I say this a lot, and if I repeat myself in the podcast, I apologize. But this book, everybody has an opinion on. Most haven't read it. We wouldn't do that with any other book. Any other book that somebody tried to give you a book report on that they didn't read, you wouldn't listen to that. And yet, we're comfortable doing that with this book. I find that interesting. But once you do come to God, once you do start to reason and start to see who he is, and then you start to see the the fra- the fraudulent things out there for what they are, well, then what are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do with all of that facade? You see, when you come to the Word of God and you see that, yes, there is evil, and you see that how it is playing out in in this world you want to do something about it. God has advice for that. Jesus Christ has advice for that as well. And we will look at that next time. We will see what we will do when we see terrors in the world and, yes, even in the church. Until then, God bless. And we'll talk next time.